welcome to this podcast from Adelaide Place Baptist Church. We are a community of disciples, apprentices of Jesus, who live and work in the city of Glasgow, and it's our vision to join God in the renewal of all things. Our discipleship to Jesus is for all of our lives, so as well as listening to this podcast, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning, or get involved in one of our missional communities, which are across the city throughout the week. Our prayer is that you encounter Jesus in some way through this podcast. More information can be found at apbc.net. We are, for the next couple of Sundays, going to be thinking again about practicing the way of Jesus. What it means for those of us who follow Jesus to be with him, to become like him, and to do the things that he did. A couple of years ago, we spent a good amount of time here on Sundays and throughout the week in our missional communities thinking about this way of Jesus, the way of life that Jesus showed us how to live, how we might build some of these rhythms and practices into our lives. And we thought a lot about how the blessing is often in the doing, that actually doing these things of Jesus, actually practicing them in real life among our friends at the school gates in our workplaces, That's where the learning happens, often more than in the classroom or in the sanctuary, that the blessing is in the doing, and that God invites us to be with him, that this is first about a with God life. He's not distant and far off looking at us saying, all right, then impress me, show me your best, but he invites us to be with him, to draw near to him, and promises that he will draw near to us. So we thought about the invitation, but we also thought together about that this is a commitment to lifelong learning, a commitment to something that is greater than ourselves, but something that requires discipline and practice, that none of us are going to be experts in this, no matter how long we follow Jesus. There's always more to learn of what it means to follow Jesus. It's a commitment. But as we thought about this, we we considered that um, these practices, these rhythms, these ways of life are a disruption to our ordinary everyday living. They disrupt our busyness. They cause us to slow down and be with Jesus. They disrupt our stress, our joy. They disrupt our work and our rest. They disrupt and affect how we live, pointing us to the way of Jesus. Being with Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the things that he did. To look more and more each day, by God's grace at work in us, to look more and more like Jesus. I have a friend, believe it or not, just one. Uh, No, I have a friend, and he has the privilege, the everyday joy, the blessing of looking a little bit like me. So much so, in fact, that my own mother has, on a number of occasions, gone up to him thinking it was me, Uh, before realizing that it wasn't, in fact, her own son, uh, quite quickly in the conversation. But who, I wonder, do you look like? Not who your mum mistakes you for, but who do you look like? Who do you sound like when you're faced with disappointment? Who do you look like when things go differently to how you expect, or you're stressed, or there's a really annoying co-worker that you have to deal with? Who do you look like? We're going to consider this morning, again, what it means to practice the way of Jesus. And and just to be clear, there's no expectation or pretense that one sermon series or even two sermon series will make make us all experts in this. Again, this is an invitation 
and a commitment to do this together as we go, as we gather together as followers of Jesus to learn what it means to look like him. Another way to come at that question of who do you look like is maybe who or what are you being formed by? Every day, each one of us is formed by our experiences, the interactions that we have, the content that we consume, the things that we say or don't say, the things that we hear, which news outlet we choose to get our news from, how much time we spend on social media. But what effect are they having on us? These things aren't bad in and of themselves. But have you ever stopped to notice the slow and steady effect that they have on who we are becoming? There's a pastor and author who lives in New York called Rich Philodus, and he's just written a book, um, and he says this in it. Whether we know it or not, see it or not, or understand it or not, we are always at risk of becoming shallowly formed. We are formed by our false selves, our families of origin, the highly manipulated presentations of social media and the value system of a world that determines worth based on accomplishments, possessions, efficiency, intellectual acumen, and gifts. So we need to be regularly called back to the essence of our lives in God. That essence is one of ongoing transformation. That is Christ being formed in us. Christ being formed in us, being transformed to look like Jesus. As we seek to look like Jesus, the first thing I think many of us need to recognize is what it is that's forming us. What's the loudest voice that is shaping our worldview, our mindset, on one particular day and across many days? What are we giving airtime to in our lives? As you might imagine, screen time increased massively over lockdown, and apparently um, it stayed at an increased level. Over 50% of UK adults now look at screens for 11 hours a day. 59% of people who, live, who participated in a study reported negative impacts on their health from looking at screens, and 93% of negative health Im impacts occur in those who use screens for six hours or more a day. Conversely, limiting social media screen time to 30 minutes per day was shown to improve mental health, to improve well-being, and reduce depression. Now, this, this isn't a study or a dig at social media, per se, but um, of course they can have huge positives, particularly for many in the last few years they've been a lifeline and have lots of good things about them. But these little habits can start to unintentionally form us, to negatively impact our health, to negatively impact who we are becoming, to seed little lies that aren't of God into our lives and into our minds. Does what's going into our minds and our hearts, through our eyes, through our ears, does it help us to look more like Jesus? Are they words of truth? Are they words of life? Are they images of true beauty? We need to recognize, I think, that the environment, the content, the voices that we surround ourselves with are forming us each day, little by little. And this isn't to scare you or to scare me, but just a call to be aware of what it is. It's so easy for me to go through a whole day and not even be aware of little interactions, of things that I see or read. And notice that those little things over time form us. John Tyson, the pastor in New York, says, Nobody wakes up one day 
and says, I'm going to build a non-Christian worldview and deconstruct my faith. That's not how it works. It's the little things like TikTok, five seconds at a time, that become little memes in your mind and little worms in your ears that you can't get rid of. Before you know it, that stuff gets into your heart. It's rarely the big things, rather thousands of micro moments of formation that slowly pull you away from being able to pay attention and think biblical thoughts about the world. Are we paying attention? Are we noticing the little things, the patterns, which produce the life of Jesus and the things that don't? What are the environments and the interactions that you could decide to create which cause you to be a little bit more loving and joyful, peaceful and patient, kind, good, or have a bit more self-control? Because that's the fruit that shows us the Holy Spirit is at work in our life. That's the fruit that shows the things we're putting into our minds and our hearts are changing us little by little into the likeness of Jesus. Now, it's easy to check out at this point, I think, maybe because it's it's a bit too high a bar, a bit too much of a challenge, or maybe for some of us, we're not quite sure it's worth it. Is it worth the cost? Often, I think if we're honest, we want the comfort and the hope of trusting in Jesus, but we're not willing to, to put in the, the work to, to have the commitment of true life, full conversion, life the Jesus way, life in all its fullness. We want the summer outfit to fit, but we don't want to do the work to get there. We've heard the Apostle Paul's word read for us just a few moments ago. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. As we seek to look like Jesus, I think we need to look at Jesus. Look at Jesus, see how he did things. Look at Jesus, see how he formed friendships, how he dealt with challenge, how he dealt with outright betrayal and conviction, wrongful conviction. Look at Jesus and see how he prioritized time with his Father in heaven. See, in Jesus, we have not just an offer and a promise of life in all its fullness, but we have the blueprint, the instruction manual on how to do this in his life and example. A couple of weeks ago, as we came to the end of that series in Revelation, Stephen reminded us, as, as, we, as we came to that um, climactic event of, of the end of time and all things being renewed and restored, that our hope as followers of Jesus is, is greater than just life after death. Of course, it absolutely includes that. We have a hope that he will make all things new one day. But it's about more than that. It's about Jesus' resurrection being a declaration that the kingdom of God is breaking in here and now. He is working and redeeming all things, and he's already started all of creation, including each one of us. For those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, he has saved us, and he is saving us. He's making us more like him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of Jesus, the invitation to new life. When we look at Jesus, 
we look away from something else. We look away from the noise and the distraction, the things which might not be bad to do or to think about or to read, but they're not the greatest or the best. They're not the things that will transform us to be more like Jesus. When we fix our gaze on him, we create space for his peace and his presence and his life to be formed in us and through us and around us. I think it's important to remember this doesn't mean we ignore what's around us. Sam reminded us last week that when we come to worship, when we come to be in the presence of God, on our own, together, in missional communities, we don't ignore all the things that we're carrying. We bring our whole selves to him. We bring it into his presence and allow him to meet us there. When we look at Jesus more, bringing our whole selves, we discover who he is in the midst of our circumstance. Some of you might know uh, Scotty Scheffler, 25-year-old professional golfer. I don't mean know him personally, you might, but uh, he recently won the Masters golf tournament and he's currently number one golfer in the world. Um, he's, he's pretty well known for uh, talking very openly about his faith in Jesus and about how that affects how he plays golf, that he prays for peace and to know the presence of God with him, that he, uh, that he, he asks that uh, his identity would not be found in whether he wins or loses, but in God. And he said this, people a lot of times think if you become a Christian, God's just going to make everything easy for you. And that's not the case. But having the God of the universe on your side just makes things easier to deal with. Favorite golfer, favorite theologian, I think, for me at the moment. But looking at Jesus doesn't take the problems away. I think many of us could testify to that. We know that from our experience. Looking to Jesus doesn't make things suddenly easier or us not face any sort of persecution or suffering. But nor do we ignore our struggles when we come to him. We don't come to prayer and pretend that everything's okay. He already knows and promises to meet us there where we are. We bring all of, all of what we carry into his presence. We lay it at his feet and allow him to meet us there, remembering that he cares, that he knows, that he has faced unimaginable suffering. As Hebrews 12 reminds us, uh, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We bring it to Jesus, everything that we carry, the joys and the struggles. And looking to Jesus is a daily decision to surrender our ways to his ways, knowing that the ways of the Lord are higher than our own, trusting even when we cannot see and there are practices that we've talked about here and in missional communities. There are practices that are not new to us and have helped followers of Jesus for centuries to encounter him in the everyday, mundane, washing up, taking the bins out, talking to your friend. Practices of solitude, of silence, Sabbath and fasting. Practices of reading the scripture and praying. Practices of serving others and of worship. They help us to look at Jesus and to fix our gaze on him. And through summer this year, we're going to spend the whole summer gathering around communion where we remember and we give thanks and we worship and looking at the life of Jesus through the gospel of Mark. We're going to look at Jesus together as a community. And, and as we seek to learn these rhythms, they're sometimes called unforced rhythms of grace, 
We welcome the life-giving disruption of Jesus into each moment of each day. Let's come back to Romans 12 again. Verse 3 tells us that we, we ought to not think of ourselves more highly, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. When we look at Jesus, we remember that it is God's goodness at work within us, not our own. We remember and understand ourselves when we see what he has done for us. It's not about us. It's not about how hard we try. It's not about mustering up some sort of super spiritual intensity. But it's about the grace of God at work in our lives, allowing him to come and have his way, creating space to just hear his still, small voice. When we look and see Jesus, we learn that it's about more than just you or me. It's about the deep work that Jesus done it, has done in us and will do in us, but it's not just about us. One professor, of, a former professor of spiritual formation, Robert Mulholland Jr., said this, thinking about looking at Jesus. Reflect for a moment on what the image of Christ is. It's the image of one who gave himself totally, completely, absolutely and unconditionally for others. If we forget this, if we short-circuit our definition, we don't have Christian spiritual formation. We don't have holistic spiritual formation. What we have is some kind of pathological formation that is privatized and individualized, a spiritualized form of self-actualization. It's not just Jesus and me up a mountain having a great time or each of us trying to figure it out on our own in a, in a vacuum somewhere. Practicing the way of Jesus is not a form of self-help. It's not just about looking after myself or some kind of spiritual wellness program. Look at Jesus. Read the song in Philippians 2 where Jesus made himself nothing. He was obedient even to the point of death for the sake of the other, for the sake of you and me. Spiritual formation Becoming more like Jesus is about others. It's about looking to the other. It's about that fruit being displayed towards others. The way of Jesus does not only mean that we have a community of faith around about us, this amazing, messy, beautiful thing called church. It does mean that, absolutely. But it also means that if we choose to follow Jesus, if we commit to following in his way and doing things how he did it, to be with him, to become like him, and to, be, and to do the things that he did. And then we will go to and spend time with people on the edge of society. We'll go to and spend time with people that other people disregard or don't think are worth our time. That's what we see Jesus doing. As we continue to look more like him, as we continue to look at him, we look with Jesus and see people how he sees them. We look at the places that we live and that we walk past every day, the places that we go to study, wherever we spend our time. And we see, see people how he sees them. Jesus fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
These are the people who Jesus went to and goes to and invites us to come with him to bring good news, to proclaim freedom to. So we go and look with Jesus. What, what might it look like if we started praying for those places that we spend our time in? If we saw everyone that we interact with, from the bus driver to our closest friends, to our family, to see them the way that God looks at them, to know that they are loved by God, to know that they're worth dying for, to know that they are known intimately by him. How could it change the atmosphere if we ask God to reveal his heart for someone we work with or someone we struggle to get on with? And would we have the courage to trust and to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit? As we say, open my eyes, Lord. Are we willing to be the answer to that prayer, to go where he calls us to go? Because obedience to Jesus is missional. Obedience to Jesus is missional. When we obey Jesus, we're aligning something of heaven here on earth. We're doing things his way. We're seeing how he's lived and we're asking that we might be able to do the same. When we obey Jesus, other people round about us get a glimpse of who he is. They get a glimpse of what it means to look like, to, to live like Jesus, to live life in all its fullness. What did Jesus say? People will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. I wonder just as we move to worshiping him again together, as we sing together, um, what if God's already told us what to do? Often for me, you can think, well, I'll just wait for the writing in the sky or for someone to come and tell me word for word what I should do or for a really clear sign. And God absolutely does speak to us in those ways and many more. But what if God might whisper to us today that I've already told you what to do. I've already told you how to live. Would you obey me? Listen to what Jesus says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Repent, turn your life around, and follow me. Love your enemies, be kind to children, live generously and graciously, make disciples of all nations. Look at Jesus. Maybe he's already told us what to do. How might we obey Jesus today, this week? How might we, our obedience, display something of the goodness of God to the people that we spend our time with? And how might we look with Jesus at the situations we face each day? What would you do here, Jesus? Look at the way he deals with things through the Bible. Allow Holy Spirit to speak to you through those words and through his example. Let me pray for us just now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and your grace and your gentleness in inviting us into life with you. We recognize the joy and the challenge it is to follow Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are present here with us, present to each one of us, that you love us more than we know, and we ask you, 
Holy Spirit to come and to breathe new life into us. Even now to remind us and reveal to us the things which form us and shape us each day. Maybe habits that we've forgotten about, healthy ones and unhealthy ones. Call us back to you, Jesus. And would you give us the courage to commit again to become more like Jesus this day and each day. We need your help, Lord. Lord, we we thank you that your love reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. We praise you that your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. How priceless is your unfailing love, O Lord. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Continue your love to those who know you, we pray. Thank you, Lord.